0: but I would say the cognitive dissonance piece is super crucial because when our beliefs don't line up with our actions, our brains don't like it and our lives are not as happy. And once you really lean into that, it's not easy. I struggle with it all the time, but if you're willing to be honest with yourself and what your child needs or what you need as a family.
1: The Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation said simply they keep it real learn more at actualoutdoors.com this is a life in motion audio experience a podcast about travel action sports culture and more what's up and welcome to episode 178 of life in motion i've got dr nacy ryerson with me from encompass academy they offer inclusive education to nearly every developmental level and if you know us, we believe the outdoors are for everybody with all abilities, and I'm excited to learn how she's applying that to education. Dr. Nacy, thanks for being on the show today.
0: Hi, thanks, Jeremy, for having me.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, yet again, a, a kind of mutual connection uh, is how, how we get connected, and I was super excited uh, to learn learn what you're doing at A Compass Academy, um, obviously, you know, uh, in, in kind of your your market your target market i guess in that sense i was a little too uh formal but you know what i'm saying but before we kind of dive into um you know how you're you're fulfilling that mission and the impact that you're having within um the education from that sense let's kind of start with you know who you are you know where are you are from background kind of what i guess led you down this path uh to begin with
0: i will spare you the super long story on that one uh jeremy but <laughs> this is a very long backstory so i'll kind of give you the highlights there um You know, I I grew up um, in Springfield, Missouri, and more of a city girl than a rural girl, but always grew up at the lake. So had kind of a fond understanding of the outdoors and how that impacted my life. Um, I ended up going to play college basketball to get my school paid for. So got my undergrad in psychology and then went ahead straight after school, and got my master's in special education, fell in love with it. And the reason why I ended up going into special education, um, I kind of fell into it, honestly. Um, the, the market had crashed. I graduated in 09, which is another recession. And... I really was worried about going into a field in psychology and clinical psychology that I might not like. So I decided, hey, maybe I should decide if I actually like working with kids before I go spend a a lot of money on a master's program. (laughs) Um, So I became a paraprofessional just straight out of school and ended up falling in love with it. And the district I worked for said, hey, you know what, we think you kind of have something here, like maybe you could go get your master's and come back and teach for us. Because um, at the time there was a, a shortage, just like there is now. Um, so I went and got my master's in special education from Jury University. Um, and I, I taught in public schools for, goodness, probably, I think about eight or nine years. I'm gonna have to look back feels like a million moons ago. <laughs> um, and I loved my experience. Um, but what I started realizing is the red tape was really Becoming problematic for our students with um, disabilities, differing abilities and marginalized and underserved populations. And so I just kind of had the mentality of, of instead of getting mad and jaded and ended up disliking my career, I would go back and get my doctorate in the hopes that I would start my own school one day, which seemed crazy. Um But it ended up not being so crazy because here we are. I was the founder of Encompass Academy, but rewind just a little bit. Um, While I was going through my master's program and even in my undergrad, I was having a lot of health issues um, that were really impacting me. So I ended up with Lyme disease. So in all transparency with you, Jeremy, I was a little scared of the outdoors. um, until Somewhat recently um, and recognizing my own cognitive dissonance and having kind of the frustration um, with realizing that my own ethos wasn't matching up with what I wanted. And so even though in Compass Academy, we are currently sharing space in a church um, for our population, our end goal is to be on a large property. And some of that is kind of going through my journey of getting sick and recognizing that I was not being honest with myself on what I truly needed to heal and what our students needed to heal and how important being outdoors truly was for myself and my own healing and for our students. So as we grow, that's imperative on where we end up um, in terms of land and having opportunities for our students to be able to explore the great outdoors. We live in Springfield, Missouri. There's no more beautiful place to be. And so, um, excited to kind of start that journey and being honest with myself and understanding that this is what our kids need as well.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to to be able to kind of recognize that, and of course, you know, starting, um, you know, starting the best you can, which it sounds like you've done. So, so you mentioned, um, you know, kind of when you got started in special ed um, education, what what was it like not having sort of that that kind of background or, you know, and obviously going into teaching as well. But what was it that kind of, I guess, kept you there? You know, for instance, my my wife is an art school teacher um, and just listening to her conversation, that kind of stuff. I know it takes a, a special person to be a teacher and an educator for for many different reasons. And then obviously, you know, there's the different different layers and different um, students and everything else. But what was it that kind of captured your attention and then kind of kept it where obviously you end up you know cutting through that red tape that that you didn't like always going through in, in the public schools and whatnot
0: yeah great question and it's again it's a little complicated so i definitely uh, <laughs> i am neurodivergent myself um i have adhd and probably some other things and you know getting Lyme disease definitely affects the neurology of your brain and how you think. And so I kind of went on this healing journey with my students and recognizing that I couldn't do some of the things that I was doing before and um, kind of having some more difficulties. Education and learning was always super easy for me. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And to sit side by side by my students and learning alongside them and recognizing like, wow, these kids are brilliant and they just learn differently. And that's kind of how I started to recognize myself of just because my brain thinks differently doesn't mean I'm not capable. I just have to have accommodations and modify and kind of learn how to advocate for myself and my environment. And so that kind of brought in pieces as we went along. And not all of this is my idea. I've begged, borrowed and stolen people that I've met and have inspired and the kids that have inspired us um, over the years. But advocacy is a huge deal at Encompass because we realized like, man, like these kids it's so smart, so capable, so intelligent. And again, the system is set up where it's really difficult for them to go into maybe their general education classroom where educationally we're there, but the system is not set up for us. So how do we advocate and change the system so we can learn in our way and still really provide opportunities, um, for our students. So I think it just was a little bit of understanding personally, and then just seeing how incredible these kids are. And we're really missing out as a society by not prioritizing students with differing abilities and disabilities and marginalized and underserved populations, period.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that makes complete sense. Um, Kind of once again, bouncing off, you know, the conversations I hear here with my wife and everything like that, where you know, and unfortunately, some of that stuff goes overlooked, but or overlooked. But you know, you you having that recognition, and then also kind of you know recognizing kind of personally, and then not only recognizing it, but then deciding, okay, how 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 can I fix this? How can I make this this better? In that sense, um, and and like you said, when you know you first, oh, maybe I you know get my doctorate, and then I can uh, you know start my own school. Uh, you know, that, that, you know, as you mentioned, was it kind of sounded, or sounded like a crazy idea at first, but I guess what was that initial phase? Like once you kind of started, um, I guess, working towards kind of opening everything and, and, and setting that up, because that seems like a, a large task, and obviously a lot of passion behind that to follow through with it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I definitely, um, <laughs> I love a challenge. I played sports all through college. And, you know, I, if I get an obstacle, I don't tend to stop there, um, which has gotten me in trouble in the past. I'm not gonna <laughs> um, and I've had to learn some hard lessons, um, for sure. But in terms of starting the school, it just was kind of, I always knew I had a backup plan. It just was a backup plan that I didn't know that I could do or wanted to do forever, especially with my health, because I didn't know if it was going to improve or if it was going to you know, get worse. And so I just wanted to give myself opportunities while giving other people opportunities alongside me. So when I got into school, um, I actually took the, the long route. It was kind of a case of humble pie, had some unusual setbacks that really weren't my fault, um, which is an EA's, EA-ism. We have several, but it's not your fault, but it is your problem. Um, so things that weren't my fault, like I switched jobs and, um, you know, had an incident where I didn't feel comfortable moving forward with my dissertation topic. So I started over. Um, So it took me a little longer to finish, but I feel like I did it the right way. Um, And throughout the journey, my dissertation ended up being on, which was a little boring for me because I had already done it, but um, understanding kind of a blueprint, if you will, of how private school leaders um, run successful private schools. Cause there really wasn't a blueprint. I am super nerdy. I read a lot. Um, So I did a lot of the back end leg work. And then I started realizing, talking to all these other private school leaders, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn that the hard way. I'm like, me too. Like, let's talk about this and let's figure out how to help each other and figure out, You know, let's start some data because there really isn't a lot of data in terms of private schools and how they're operating. Um, And unfortunately, um, in private schools, you see a lot of schools that might not accept students with disabilities, different abilities, or those marginalized underserved populations, or the entire school is only for students that have disabilities. And so that's where we're really different, where we're inclusive. So we have really any student is a great fit at our school. Um, but because we are so small still, um, and we want to make sure to support the demographics that need us, we do over all of the marginalized and underserved categories.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. So, so when you you know when you're playing that obviously you know you see these these different um these different issues and different challenges that you know um different schools or schools that you've worked with you know have had and, and you're kind of working through that i guess how how did that um you know i i guess how did the strategy kind of formulate of okay how how are we going to offer these these programs in order to make sure that we don't necessarily fall into the same um th- the same thing that other Education systems have, you know, for for example, you know, you feel like you have everything, and then and then something something happens, and then then somebody's getting left out or, or whatnot. So how, how how did you kind of come up with a, a plan for that to make sure that that didn't happen?
0: For sure, and it's evolved. You know, I think that part of it is it goes back to that cognitive dissonance, um, where and you know, for the listeners, if you are not familiar with cognitive dissonance, it's that. It's when your beliefs essentially aren't lining up with your actions. And so we have a really open culture. So we're constantly having conversations. We're a teacher-led school. Um, I think it's it can be a little bit scary when you have you know, a leader above your teachers who are really the people that are on the ground that are doing the best work. Um, I am in classrooms a lot because I never want to lose that it factor. Um, but when you get into a larger school, it's easy to have that happen. So really finding opportunities to listen to your teachers because They know more than anyone what's really going on in classrooms and we need to be listening to them. Um, And so but being honest with ourselves of, hey, we're not quite doing this as well as we want to be doing it. How can we fix that? And continuous conversations. Um, The other thing I feel like that we talk about a lot is not allowing like the educational pendulum to swing too hard. Like we're not going to overcorrect something and then swing back the other direction. We'll find ourselves kind of swinging a little bit too much and we'll kind of take a step back and be like, okay. And again, it goes back to that crucial conversation, being honest with ourselves um, within our teams To really make sure that we are constantly growing Um, inclusion, we believe in bold inclusion, but at the same time, that's not realistic for some districts. And so we also talk about like it's it's not a set target. We should be constantly getting better at inclusion and being honest with yourself throughout that instead of being so harsh with yourself that you never move and never change and never do what you truly need to do. So I think it's having more of those cultural pieces versus some of those traditional trainings. Like we do a lot more training with our staff in terms of our culture than we do anything else and self healing and, um, just that truth and honesty.
1: Yeah. That, yeah, no, it sounds like that, that transparency and, uh, and culture really, you know, you mentioned that uh, multiple times with everybody I feel like is, is very important to kind of, uh, what, what you all have done. So, um, I, I guess under like how and you you mentioned that how how many um teachers I guess do you have now and then also what is the the age range that um of the of the the kids you take on
0: yes we are we are very small and a lot of that's on purpose we've not done any marketing um we just started considering doing marketing and meeting with some marketing teams um just because we knew that the need was so high and we had to kind of get our our ducks in a row, because we started in August of 2020, so during the pandemic, um, which short staffing and things like that. Um, So I'm so sorry, can you re-ask that question again? I went off
1: on. So oh no, much. no, no! You're fine. Yeah, just the the kind of the size, the size of, yes, uh, of the staff and everything, and, and then the age range.
0: Decided. So, in terms of the the staff size, we have eight uh, full time staff members getting ready to add nine. Um, some of our teachers have dual roles. Like we have some classroom teachers that they are the sole teacher in their classroom with super low class sizes, um, and then other teachers that work as transitional teachers, and their whole job is to work themselves out of a job. Obviously, they stay with us. Um, But their job is to support students to be able to transition with their peers. Um, So it's a little bit different in terms of structure. um, And I don't want to keep you all day to totally explain that. But right now we only have 40 kids. Um, The other thing that's a little bit different with us is sometimes our kids do go back to public school and we desire and want that really great relationship with our public schools um, because sometimes we can triage and work on some things and, and support the student and the family to be able to go back to public school. Um, If that's what they so choose. So our numbers really fluctuate right now in our current space. We can't um, have more than probably about 45 kids. And we've gotten about as creative as we can um, with our current space. Um, We're looking at additional spaces so we can grow larger um, because we are pre-K to high school um, and we can take students up until 21 years old. Um, but our class sizes are very small. We don't have class sizes um, over twelve.
1: Well, wow. yeah, and no, that's uh, you know I wasn't uh, the 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 full range, I guess, of of students as well. Or the ability, the ability to do that um, is 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 um, impressive. And then also, you know, being nimble. Um, and then, and then so you mentioned, you know, launching this, you know, in twenty twenty, of course, uh, as as we all know. Um, that, but to be able to, you know, still three years later, still, still growing and, and doing all this is really impressive as well. Um, and, and so you mentioned, you know, uh, right now, you know, you haven't really done anything as far as marketing goes and everything like that. How, how have you been able to find um, these different, uh, I guess, families that enroll their kids and, and go through the programs and everything like that? Um, how, how have you, how is that kind of, is that kind of word of mouth or what does that look like
0: right now? Yes. I mean, we do have our website and social media, um, but right, we were really, you know, determined to just build our reputation and there's no better, um, advertisement than parents and students themselves. And so we've really uh, relied on word of mouth and we're ended up having to hire a secretary because we get so many phone calls. And so we're not really even able to field the calls that we get. So we know it's such a high need in our community and probably others. Um, Springfield is, is a, is not a small town, but it's also not a big town. It's the third largest city um, in the state of Missouri behind St. Louis and Kansas city. Um, so it is pretty good size, but it has a really small town feel. Um, and everybody kind of knows everybody. So if things are going really well, people are talking about it. And like I said, we've just really not had any trouble um, getting students. Um, and, and also, and I believe it was, I do not want to misspeak, but I think it was um, Turner. And I think it was year 2021 was with that data point, but um it's like 1.7, and I hope I'm not misspeaking, but about 1.7 net enrollment growth um, across those pandemic years for private schools. So there is kind of a you know an up, and those numbers fluctuate kind of based off of what's going on in the world. And right now we're seeing, due to the pandemic, um, a lot of families were shifting from public to private school for various reasons. Um, and so that was something that wasn't necessarily intentional on our radar. We just wanted to support marginalized and underserved populations because we did know that the data was saying that they were the ones that were really impacted the most during the pandemic um so i feel like we did it just out of doing the right thing um for our students but just market wise it was a good market as well
1: yeah and then so so with that how um i guess what is the the overall i guess uh feedback or like any are there any kind of um particular stories i guess you know and I'm trying to, you know, I, I have younger kids myself, but they're not yet, uh, in old enough for school, um, besides preschool, but, you know, I, I feel like it would be, you know, something, um, you know, going to, going to a new school in that sense, but one that's kind of, as you mentioned, kind of has, has a focus on kind of the, the different, um, the different types of kids in that sense, you know, might be kind of, you know, I'm, Uh, hesitant because you don't you don't really know what what you're getting into or or if it will help and and increase the learning and education and all that stuff so uh, like i said obviously um what you all are doing uh has has been working in that but what are kind of some of those stories i guess that that have kind of come out of of you know the past three years or so um of the the kids and families and you know looking at things through different lenses in order to um you know find find their strengths in that way like you mentioned
0: yeah, um, and I'm going to, have to be kind of careful just because of confidentiality, because we are so small, um, so I'll kind of have to get a little creative, so I might kind of change a little bit in terms of, but like the core structure of the stories can still be there, but we've had several students that we've gotten from other places, um, public and private. Um, there's one individual in particular, um, brilliant, brilliant kid, um, just kind of kept getting Overseen, I guess, um, and us being so small, we have been able to, with this particular individual and several students, um, be able to figure out the medical side of things going on that were impacting the learning um, and really completely in a pretty quick period of time have a large turnaround um, with the student academically, socially, emotionally, um, because that healing process can start right of like, oh, man that wasn't me. That was the system. And I am capable of learning. And now we have this piece of the puzzle and we can move forward and figure it out. Um, and that happens often with us where it's a misdiagnosis. And unfortunately, and we love our public school, uh, teachers and, and families and community, um, because they serve such a a huge need. Um, it's just really hard for them to serve all of the students in the current state that we're in. And so, um, A lot of these classrooms are so large, um, and I could get on a a weird soapbox about that, Um, reading John Hattie's work, if you're at all familiar with him, but he does meta-analysis studies and identifies like the effect size of how much, essentially something is affected and we want to see like a year's growth with all of our kids, right. Um, every single year. And so certain things have high effect size and low effect size. We want to have a high effect size, um, if it's really going to enact some change. And so in that book, and John Hattie is amazing. I've read many of his books. Um, but it doesn't always take into account like all the variables. And so one of the variables that, that came out years and years ago is kind of early in my career is that like class sizes don't matter. John Hattie said class sizes don't matter. They have a low effect size. And that can be true, but I would argue, and I, I think he would argue too. I'm not sure. i have to have a conversation with him, but <laughs> it's a little bit when you're looking at one data point, it's not taking everything into consideration. Like, yeah, that great teacher can be amazing with 30 kids in their class, but is that taking into consideration are they going to quit in 5 years cuz they're so tired? Is that yeah. taking consideration? Well, we did do a great job, but that next teacher, like there's just so many things that you could like argue that. And that's one thing that we're doing is we have super small class sizes and you can't figure out the puzzle and these kids have been through it. The pandemic was really hard on them. Like we know that you know, in terms of trauma and anxiety and mental health, a lot of these kids are not okay. And they really need somebody to to get to know them and help them solve that puzzle together. And you can't do that with 30 kids in a class. It just isn't, it's not fair to put that on a public school teacher. Um, and so I think that that's really what makes us unique is that even though data shows class sizes don't matter, like we know they do. like we know they do, like we all know that they yeah. do. Um, and so we just are like, we're not, we're not going to listen to that. We're going to do what we think is best for kids and low class sizes are it. And I over and over and over, we've been able to figure out things with kids, whether it be an unknown medical kind of a unique medical situation um, or just get them caught up. I mean, John, Hattie talks about effect sizes, like you lose ground in the summer. So what we are 12 months, we are not nine months because we don't want our kids losing ground. So we have our schedule to where we're not having the regression over the summer so we can get our kids caught back up. So we're really strategic, too, about the decisions that we make that are best for kids. Um, and then bring those culture pieces in. We talked about earlier about, like, we need to be honest with ourselves. Like, is this working? And if it's not, let's talk about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that that's great. And um, realizing that and, and totally, you know, ha- having the... Um, I guess more, more, or having the ability to have more attention with the smaller sizes, in that too, as you mentioned, kind of figure out those different challenges and puzzle pieces um, to kind of continue that progression within within their education. So, you know, as as you kind of go on and um, you know, obviously, continue to grow. And I know you mentioned having, um, you know, kind of your 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 own piece of land and, and kind of expand mm-hmm. that way. I guess what what sort of is you know that. That uh, I guess ideal, uh, you know, scenario, you know, in the future as you all continue to grow.
0: Ooh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if my board will really want me to talk about to <laughs> that yet, because we're kind of in the works with some of it. So it might be like a stay tuned. Maybe I can talk to you a year from now and kind of fill you in more. Um, but essentially, we really want a community, like whatever it looks like. where the details that I might not be able to share, we want a community where all people can come and feel safe and feel supported and feel a part of that community um, and learn and have other opportunities while they're there. Um, And that's part of it, too, of bringing in outside entities and supports that students might need that we can collaborate with. Um, And I think that's really unique with us, too, of like we're not trying to keep the idea Idea all to itself in terms of this maybe we are but in terms of the EA way like we want everybody like we are not hiding how we do things like we are wanting to push into public schools private schools come in and learn the EA way because anyone can do what we do um, and we want to be able to support them to do that so we actually just added a services um, side so if public schools or private schools um, and it's on a sliding scale so if it's a, a new nonprofit, like we're We're going to be fair, but we want to be able to to teach anyone the way the EA way, which is what we do. And I think anyone can do it, but they're going to have to adapt. But we also understand that everyone's community is different, whether we live in different states or different cities, whether we're rural or urban, um, you can still be inclusive and kind and make the changes you can make that are best for your kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and in a way, it sounds like that's that's kind of the way to or, or that you're trying to, um, you know, be able to to scale your impact in that sense. Um, you know, having those outside kind of services in that sense, if I'm understanding that correct, right?
0: Yes. So essentially, we want the, you know, the original school, whether we open up more schools or not, it's the case study, if you will, it has all of the support, everything that we need. And we really try to kind of mess with the variables that a public school could or a private school could. Um, and so in terms of our tuition and we're really working on becoming more inclusive with our tuition as well and working with the the new program through the state of Missouri for a Missouri Scholars program to make it more accessible for students in poverty and disability. Um so it's not coming out of families pockets. Um but at the same time creating this case study that can support where people can come learn from us and then they can go do it in, in their settings because we're not naive. Like we can't take every student and we don't want to. We want our public schools to thrive. We want our private schools to thrive. And so essentially we're here to to lean into that. Like we're not trying to take thousands upon thousands of kids. We're trying to support the system um, to do the EA way.
1: Yeah, I know. And I, and I love that kind of that, that viewpoint, you know, to be able to, you know, recognize that and be able to kind of share that with with other organizations and other systems and whatnot. Um, you know, to kind of you know, like you said, uh, contribute to the to the EA way. Um, so so that's great. But so one one thing I always like to ask our guests is kind of one piece of advice that um, that they can take away from each episode. And I think you, you know, kind of given given what what you all do um, at A Compass Academy and everything like that. I guess I'm gonna take this from, from the parent's perspective. Um, You know, what, what would you tell a parent, I guess, who might be hesitant or maybe they keep brushing off um, some type of behavior for something else. When you mentioned, you know, it could be, you know, with that, with that really kind of focused um, attention, it could be something completely different Then then everything kind of changes back to how it should be by recognizing, Hey, you know, this person learns different or this person is this different. But if we switch it around I guess, what would you tell a parent to to kind of, I guess, open up their mind, I guess, in that sense of maybe they're, they're experience that, you know, whether that's, um, you know, whether they're here local in the area and they could get involved um, with Encompass Academy or not, or, um, you know, maybe maybe they're listening elsewhere. But what is your advice to kind of help help kind of start that that change um, kind of as as you all have in, in a much larger way, if that makes sense?
0: It totally does. And I hate to keep harping on this, but I would say the cognitive dissonance piece is super crucial because when our beliefs don't line up with our actions, our brains don't like it and it, our lives are not as happy. And once you really lean into that, it's not easy. I struggle with it all the time, but if you're willing to be honest with yourself and what your child needs or what you need as a family, and I think that's, what's really unique too. Like we are inclusive. So like we have families from various backgrounds and cultures and religious beliefs and political beliefs, and everyone does get along. It's kind of this bizarre utopia that <laughs> surprises me exists in today's day and age, but it's because everyone's own beliefs are lining up with their actions. And it doesn't mean we all have to agree. Um, and we can have those open conversations. And unfortunately, that's, again, it's not public school's fault. Like they're not allowed to have those conversations. The liabilities is too, too much um, where we really can like lean into parents and be like, let's talk about what the function of this behavior is. Because I just don't truly believe any child wants to have a behavior and act out for any other reason other than we're trying to communicate something and we need to find out what they're communicate, communicating. And it might be, we need to heal a past trauma. It might mean that we aren't educating them properly and we need to adapt to the child and kind of figure out that puzzle. Um, but I think that allowing your own belief system and what you believe is best for your child, don't let anyone stand in the way of what your action is. If that makes sense. Like, just be, most people have their own answers in their hearts. So, just follow what you feel like is best for your child. Parents usually know, and the children definitely know. It's interesting if you just are willing to ask a child or a parent and include them. Shocker, right? But <laughs> it's, they, they know. They know what they need. And a lot of our jobs is just to listen. Yeah,
1: no, I, I love that. I love that advice. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of part, part of those puzzles. But as you mentioned, kind of that communication and listening um, definitely, uh, you know, help, help solve the, those pieces to figure out, you know, what what is best um, in order for everybody to, you know, kind of continue on that way. So but to that point, where um, where can people find you online um, to, uh, you know, what? Uh, Follow your journey as you grow, or if they want to get involved, if there are any um, spots left, of course, uh, right now, but um, and kind of follow that journey. And as you begin opening up these services and everything,
0: absolutely. So you can find us on our website at www.encompass.academy, and you can also find us on social media. Um, We're really trying to increase our social media presence. I'm not going to lie, my I prefer to have my nose in a book um, rather than being on social media. Um, So (laughs) it's something that we are kind of working on, but you can find us. um, We're most active on Facebook currently, but working on getting our other socials up. But you definitely can follow us because that that is the goal. Um, So if you just um, look for Encompass Academy, Springfield, Missouri, that's where you can find us or you can find us on our website.
1: Awesome. Well, everybody definitely make sure you check them out. Um, and you see some doing some, some great things to kind of, you know, figure out those different puzzle pieces for the next generation and, uh, making a, making a good impact here in Southwest Missouri. And I'm excited to see where you all continue to grow. So thanks again for coming on and sharing your story.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Jeremy, for having us and and sharing our story to the world. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening.
1: And Hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.